Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. Raptors, unfortunately, outclassed. I think we kind of knew coming into this one, the Clippers have uh, four future Hall of Famers at the, uh, at the stead. And the Raptors, you know, not only have they moved um, their, their all-star or, you know, OG Anobi, for example, has been gone. And, you know, they're, they're also dealing with some injuries. No Yaka Pirtle, um, no Emmanuel Quickly, who had a really nice game against the Clippers last time around. Um, probably his best game as a Raptor, actually. And, yeah, un- unlike the last time when the Raptors really did play the Clippers, like, pretty close and, and, and was, you know, pretty competitive in that game. And even though they didn't win the game, I, I liked their process. Um, they didn't even have Pascal or Jakob for that game either. But still, that game came down to, like, one or two possessions at the end. And the, the Clippers were able to make more plays down the stretch. Uh, Kawhi dribbled around a double team and dunked the ball, and Paul George made a big three. This time, Clippers just kind of led very comfortably from start to finish. And, and how comfortable, you might ask? Well, it's so comfortable that, you know, the Clippers didn't even need to put Kawhi Leonard back into the game. Um, Kawhi sat for the whole fourth quarter, just kind of with, like, a bemused look on his face, uh, head resting on his, you know, hands and just, you know, watching the game all chilled, you know, and, and there was no reason to stress. I mean, the Clippers were up the entire time. Like, you saw a strong fourth quarter push from Scotty Barnes, who, you know, we've seen this movie before where first three quarters quite quiet, you know, unable to generate much offense, and then fourth quarter takes over and really hits the turbo and, you know, scores in a variety of ways. And, uh, you know, that was good, um, you know. Grady, I thought, made some good contributions in this one, uh, and it would be notable to see how he grows. RJ was opportunistic with his scoring, although I think the Clippers did a really good job of anticipating RJ getting downhill and, and you know stacking extra bodies in the way, forcing him into a couple of turnovers or forcing him into a couple of bad passes. Um, and he had two unfortunate turnovers in the fourth quarter that kind of really, I wouldn't even say ended the comeback because it never felt like the Raptors would come back, but at least sort of cut short the Raptors' uh, fake comeback, if you want to say it that way. But still, just two entirely different classes of teams. And we know that, of course. Like, their, their records are basically the inverse of each other. The Clippers at 29 and 14 after this one. The Raptors at 16 and 29. Raptors, three games under 500 at home, too. Like, just, just, just not good across the board. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, at the same time, you also understand the position the Raptors are in. Like, if they lose so be it you know it's 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 no longer about you know uh how much the raptors are competitive or even where they are in the standings i don't think it matters all that much if they get into like a playing spot even at this point i prefer them to because i always prefer to see the raptors win and i think the some experience for the young guys would help um just getting them to the chance to play in you know meaningful games um but still i mean yeah, like, the, the ambitions are different now. Like, they're, you know, like, they're like what Goran Jokic was saying. Like, the Raptors got lower ambitions. Like, this is a, the wins and lessons type of season that, unfortunately, the Raptors have to go through. Now, ideally, you would like to hold your pick to do through this, but still, it's, it's about the growth of the players. Like, it's, it's, it's really not necessarily about the wins anymore. And I know that's, like, such a hard thing for a lot of people to accept. And, you know, I'm not even asking for people to accept that. It's just the where they are in the franchise right now they had obviously a great run for a decade and at some point you got to like pause and reset a little bit so you know that's what they're doing right now and hopefully they get more pieces in so you get more competitive i mean i was watching the clippers and i was like damn they got the best three players on the floor tonight um you know hopefully you get to the point where one of your guys can be equal to the top stars of like a paul george like a Kawhi leonard like a james harden 
Um, but until that happens, you will hopefully like to at least see a good style of play, a, a team that, you know, plays together, uh, you know, sh- you know, punches above their weight. And I do feel like this year in particular, the Raptors have had so few games where it feels like they punched above their weight. You know, I think that, you know, uh, of course, the Raptors have more talented rosters in previous years, too. But you saw these games where, they, you know, they would upset the Sixers, for example, and hold them B to zero, even though they were shorthanded or they were shorthanded with injuries and they go out on the road and they beat LeBron and AD. Like, that was an annual thing. They would go to L.A. and do that. Um, you know, uh, you, you've seen them pull together these type of results that were surprising, like beating the Bucks in, 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 in many different years. And, of course, they beat the Bucks this year. It was the start of the year. But we understood how much of a mess that Bucks team was. We just saw them fire Adrian Griffin uh, midway through the season. But regardless, this team just doesn't have that ability to punch up. I don't feel like there's any t- defensive togetherness. It doesn't help, of course, that the roster construction is such that they only have one legitimate center in Jakob Proto, and when he's unavailable, you basically have no chance to protect the rim. But you would still like to see guys like slide in for charges or you know dig at the ball and double team the ball and swarm and, and you just don't see that. Like you know, in previous years, the Raptors would crash the offensive glass and, and force a bunch of turnovers and and have innovative schemes to shut down the opposing star player. You don't see that as much. You just see kind of the Raptors come out and they don't play. They didn't play a lot of zone today. I mean, I wouldn't really advise playing zone against a great a three point shooting team like the Clippers. Um, but still, like, you might have wanted to see it. Like, the Clippers were, what, 9 of 32 from 3 today for 28%. Maybe you try to keep them away from the basket because the, the Clippers were also dunking the ball with ease. And, of course, you know, that's always that's a, that's the worst shot possible to give up. So, still, I, I think I just wanted to see the Raptors at least show a little bit of that ability to, again, like, punch up, to try to upset, to try to, like, play above their means and try to scrap and compete in an innovative way. You don't see that no more. So, uh, unfortunately, it's a wins and lessons type of season the lessons here are that, you know, I think for Scotty, um, just just waiting too long maybe to take over in that way. Uh, I, I know that it's not as simple as he decides to go, but sometimes it makes it look like it because he came into the fourth quarter with nine points, walks out the game with 23, so that means he had 14 in the fourth quarter. A lot of those were just like sheer will type of plays. I mean, it wasn't even like Scotty was getting double teamed all that much, quite frankly. Like, we're not really seeing that type of, like, overwhelming defense where – you know, I was watching, for example, uh, in the booth here, uh, had one eye on the game, and I had another eye on Luka Doncic, who finished with 73 points tonight. Like, yeah, in the fourth quarter, Luka had like 60-plus points, and the, the Hawks just double-teamed him and trapped him at half court and forced him to get rid of the ball. Like, you're not seeing that nearly that level of defense against Scotty. So you would like to see him, like, capitalize and score and just, like, create advantages and consistently impose himself. The way he can do in the fourth quarter, and the fourth quarter is really encouraging, right? You saw it. You saw him, you know, you know, drive in and draw fouls. Uh, you saw him play through contact. Like, he literally knocked the wind out of Amir Coffee, for example. You saw some competitive moments from Scotty, which I liked. There was, like, a brief two-minute stretch there in the first half where him and Kawhi went one-on-one against each other. And, you know, that was after Kawhi hit, like, you know, a tough bucket. And, uh, you know, uh, Scotty went right back at him and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And that was great to see. But it was kind of too little too late. Like you didn't see a lot of him through the first three quarters until the fourth quarter where all you could really see is Scotty making plays for the Raptors. I would just like to see that a little earlier, you know, and whatever it takes to get to that point, it's not like he didn't shoot the ball enough. 21 shots is a good number for Scotty. And, um, you know, if he hit some more threes, for example, like even the 23 points is decent ish efficiency, I suppose. Um, but it just kind of waited too long. And, of course, the Raptors were already in a hole at that point. Would it have changed anything? Probably not. Again, the Clippers have four future Hall of Famers. 
Um, but, you know, still, you would have liked to have seen it just earlier just to maybe change the flow of the game. Because, again, the Raptors fell down double digits immediately and just, like, stayed that way the entire time. But I did like the fourth quarter stretch from Scotty. That was fun to see. I think for R.J. Barrett, he was, you know, consistently the Raptors, like, most uh, aggressive offensive player. Like I mentioned earlier, I think the lesson for R.J. is just, like, you know, um, reading where the help defense is coming from and maybe even making a couple extra passes. I think so, for example, in the fourth quarter, he, he had a, a pair of plays that were both turnovers late where he drove into traffic instead of finding the open man. One time I think he had Gary wide open for three on the wing. Another time where he tried to kick it back out to the top, um, but he was already in a crowd, so the ball, the pass got deflected, and it turned into a turnover for Norman Powell, who dunked the ball the other way. Like, you just got to pick your spots better. And I think defenses kind of know what he wants to do. Now, the good thing with RJ is he has the ability to still get to what he wants to do, even if the defense is sitting on the fact that he wants to get to his left hand. He wants to get for the left hand and lay up, you know, pretty much every time. And I think that, you know, when he did get to the hoop, sometimes you saw RJ show some counters. I think it was notable today that he made two right-handed layups, for example. He hasn't had a game for the Raptors yet where he's made two right-handed layups in the same game, which doesn't sound like much, but he's such a heavily left-handed dominant player that defenses are taking that shot away from him. And so he's got to be able to counter. The easiest way to counter is with the other hand. Um, the other easiest way to counter is just making more passes out. And I think that's where... You know, he had four assists today. It's above his career average, I suppose, but I think he could have had even more. The Clippers were really, really sending extra attention. Now, the part that I sympathize with RJ is the Clippers were also allowed to, like, swipe and grab at the ball a lot more than most defenses. And you saw him frustrated multiple times, um, not to the point where he's going to disconnect from the play. Like, I I understand frustration, but, you know, you can't just, like, stop playing, for example. Um, But with RJ, you did see him a couple times upset with the fact that he was driving and guys were grabbing and hacking and, you know, they were just letting it run. And I don't know. I mean, that's <laughs> that that's I, I suppose that's part of the seniority of the game. Like, you know, James Harden, is he really going to get called for every reach in? Probably not. Right. Like, you, do you think he has the same whistle as a Grady Dick, for example, or, or Paul George swiping down or, or Kawhi swiping down? Like, so whatever. But still, I think there is a lesson there to be stronger with the ball as he goes. Generally, RJ's pretty good at that. Like, I wouldn't say he's turnover prone. Um, and he hasn't been since joining the Raptors. But, yeah, there are a couple of plays that were just thwarted with, with a couple of swipes, a couple of plays that he could have avoided by just kicking it out. And But overall, I like his approach. I like the fact that he's diving out of bounds for loose balls in, in the fourth quarter when the game is pretty much already done. Um, you know, I, I see the commitment. I see the want to from him. And, um, yeah, it's uh, – I, I, I think that there probably needs to be more diversity of his scoring skill set, too. I mean, later down the line, I think for RJ to really pop, he's going to, number one, obviously need to get back to consistency with the three-point shot, which right now all jumpers seem like a bit of an adventure for him. It's, it's like a bit of all or nothing. He's either in rhythm or he's completely out of rhythm. Maybe a little bit like Pascal in that way, where we saw, for example, the start of the year, Pascal shooting like 9% from three. I'm not even kidding. But then other times he gets really hot and he starts shooting 50% from three for a stretch. So RJ tonight 0 for 2 from 3, 4 of 8 from the foul line, including missing three straight free throws at one point. Like, that's obviously something that's going to hurt, and you want to see that to be more consistent than what we saw here. But still, he's a young player, and that's what's going to have to pop for him, some of that perimeter playmaking creation. Because, you know, like, you, you can score 22, and you can have six, 22, 6, and 4. Probably looks similar to, like, a stat line that, like, Paul George had, 21, 2, and 1. But, like, Paul George got to his shots in a variety of ways, was more effective off ball. Um, and also, you know, made some really nice passes. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that RJ also made some nice passes too. Like, I don't want to get that wrong. Like, he, 
really should have had two more assists because he threw two beautiful cross-court passes in a crowd opposite to uh, Grady for open threes. And unfortunately, Grady just couldn't hit any threes today despite being open for all of uh, his attempts tonight. But nevertheless, um, yeah, I think RJ has a pretty high floor considering he's always taking good shots um, that are close to the basket. It's just about finding a couple ways to be a little bit stronger and also when to make the extra passes out. But I get it. Like, the Raptors also collectively tonight really poor from three, six of 32. So eventually you do want to stop kicking it out in, in certain senses. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, in terms of the other guys, uh, quickly didn't play today. So the other young guy who played today that, you know, you know you will be here long term will be Grady Dick, who uh, 21 minutes for Grady, close to a season high. If not, if I'm not incorrect on that, I'll double check that in a second. But um, yeah, 21 minutes for Grady. And uh, unfortunately, he missed the wide open threes, which, you know, of course, that's the number one thing he's brought in to do is knock those things down. But I, I like the idea of how he played today. I think there was a, a level of disruption with his game where it feels like his team defense, where he's hopping into passing lanes or he's crashing in for defensive rebound, things like that. I think he has a better sense for it. He took a charge today as well. But then he also has things where it's like when guys go at him, there, there is a level where you could definitely tell why Darko put him into the weight room, essentially, and said, you know, stop playing games for a while and just, just hit, the, hit the gym. Because it's like you see, like, right away he gets trucked and bulldozed. Um, immediately uh, when he checks into the game. By the way, this this is not Grady's career-high minutes by any means. He had 28 against Philly, 26 against Milwaukee, 24 against Washington, and 21 earlier in the season against Milwaukee. So it's high, but it's it's, it's also not something he hasn't done. But it is a high mark for the last three months for his career. But, yeah, I mean, you saw him, like, defensively, one-on-one, guys going at him. Obviously, he's going to have real issues with that, right? Sometimes he's just going to struggle to cope with physicality. Like, he was getting ragdolled out there for a lot of those drives. But, I mean, at the same time, though, like, you know, I think the team defense, he was, he was, he was aware. He was making plays off ball. He was, you know, picking off a couple passes, you know, doing a decent job rebounding. And then on offense, just, like, A, getting out in transition, running really hard, something all young guys should be doing and need to be doing, but... Grady getting in for a couple transition finishes. Grady coming off of curls, uh, off high speed off of curls, and he's getting uh, pull-up jumpers, you know, mid-range. I would love to see that to be pull-up jumpers and from three, but, you know, obviously if, if he's struggling from three right now, catching wide and open catch and shoots, then I suppose, uh, uh, you know, a, a pull-up from the mid-range is probably a lot easier than a pull-up from three, which is probably like the final frontier for what you would like to see from him in that position. But, um yeah, I mean, you also see him making plays off the catch. Like, you know, uh, so he, he's curling and he's coming on full speed and he, he's faking a mid-range jumper. He lifts the defender just a half step and then throws a lob to Chris Boucher for, for a dunk. Like, there are things that he's been able to do that's been really promising on that front too. So you just want to see more and more of it, especially, again, if it's a wins and lessons type of season where, you know, the losses don't really matter and it's just about development. Probably see Grady a lot. I mean, if you want to tank, that's definitely something that can help. I'm not even trying to disparage. Um, but still, you would like to see him grow a little bit, and I thought he did a, he did a decent amount of things in between, um, which, is, which is good. And then, yeah, I mean, you saw Jordan Noir come in for eight minutes. Um, I've been wanting to see more of Noir, mostly because I've been seeing him warm up and shoot from three, and he's really, really accurate, and hopefully that's something he can do. The only thing I would say is that the release point's low because he's kind of shooting a chest pass, but still, like, he, he is a guy who's pretty accurate, has some pedigree as a scorer in this league, and, and I'm just curious what he can do. Like, I know his contract, I think, runs out after this year, but, you know, is he someone that you can keep long-term? You know, who are you going to have long-term at shooting guard? Okay, Grady's an, an option potentially next year as a backup. Are you going to re-sign, you know, uh, 
Gary, if you're not going to resign Gary, what can Jordan do for you? And so, yeah, I mean, you saw Jordan come in. Unfortunately, he took th- three threes, missed all of them, and had two turnovers. But, you know, I just didn't think he was that involved in the game. So it's hard to say that uh, this is a huge, you know, um, signal or an evaluation over what he is as a player. But, you know, at, over the course of the season, again, when there's 37 more of these games, um, yeah, I just want to see the Raptors, like, try more and more to get him involved to some degree. Actually, 35 more of these games. Um, just try to get, you know, Jordan some opportunities to see what his craft is because I, I do think that there is a score in there who can be pretty decent. He's got good size. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we didn't get to evaluate him too much today because he didn't really play that much. Other than that, I mean, Bruce Brown, I think he was pretty solid all around. He just had a couple of, unti- uh, you know, unfortunate turnovers in transition. Oh, there's a post-game event happening. Uh-oh, okay, we're going to have to wrap up soon. So uh, just real quick, want to give Thad Young his props. Thad Young was awesome, 12 points, 6 of 6 shooting from the field, just a bunch of, like, scrappy jump hooks, a bunch of, like, rolling dunks, uh, four offensive rebounds, you know, a couple nice passes, steals. I think he just shows the guys how to play the right way despite the fact that, obviously, he's at, a, you know, at advanced age in his career. But, you know, I just salute Thad Young because I think he, first, first quarter-wise, Thad Young was probably the Raptors' best player in the first quarter, which is kind of nuts to say. So, anyway, to wrap up the show, your three stars for tonight's performance, uh, I'm going to give the first star to... <laughs> there, <laughs> okay, there's a there's a pro Croatian crowd. Uh, you know, there's there's a nice little post game event happening here tonight. Wow. Okay. Um, this is this is cool. This is cool. But uh, I'm gonna have to wrap the show. Your three stars from tonight's performance. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. RJ. Let's give it RJ. Twenty two point six rebounds, four assists, a steal. Not the best game from RJ. Honestly, I think he could have done even more with this, but, you know, I, I didn't mind his game. I'm going to give Scotty the second star. 23 points, five rebounds, four assists, a steal. Uh, came on just too late, but was really good in the fourth quarter. And Thad Young's your third star. 12 points, six of six shooting from the field. I hope you can hear me, everyone. Your Gerald Henderson Award winner, it's going to be Russell Westbrook. 20 points off the bench. He did a lot of great things, but Norman Powell also did a really good job, too. But it's Westbrook. So thanks everyone for listening. Sorry again for the audio. There's nothing I really can do about this. And, uh, yeah, please continue to rate, review, subscribe. We'll see you on Sunday.